Well, thank you, and, and thank you for singing, and uh, great to be able to sing together, and um, even if there are less of us today. We're going to dismiss the boys and girls to junior church, and um, dismiss the boys to their class as well, I think, and so you can make your way to those respective places. If you have your Bibles today, I want to invite you to open up back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we were last week. And uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 for quite a few weeks. And just looking at this theme that God is uh, delivering about faith. Now last week, if you remember, um, there was a definition of faith. Faith is the believing and the confidence and the assurance of things that you may not be able to see. Uh, We live, and I, I made this mention last week, we all live by faith whether we like it or not. It's just a question of what we have faith in. Um, again, you drove here having some sort of faith. You had faith that the car would make it, that no other driver would be that erratic enough to take your life or to put you into danger, and um, that everything would be, be well off. And so you had some sort of faith. And so I, I don't want it to be thought of that only religious people have faith. Everybody has faith. Now, when it comes to faith, it's the assurance of things that we cannot see, cannot necessarily measure, and our faith is in the Bible, our faith is in God. By faith, the Bible says that we can be assured how the earth came to be, and um, that is by God. God created the earth and created the universe, He spoke into existence. We have faith in that because God said it, but we also have evidence to point in that direction as well. We also looked at Noah, the story of Noah last week. And whereas God told Noah of something to come that was a judgment, and he believed God. And because he believed God, not only did it please God, not only did he receive grace from God, but he was spared from the judgment to come. And so there was this element of faith that did um, save him from what was to come, and that was the worldwide flood. And I know we mentioned a couple other things as well. We're going to pray again, and then we're going to pick right up in verse number Uh, 8 and look at some of the elements of Abraham and some of his descendants but with something else in mind as well but let's pray father we come again once uh, once again to you lord needing your help to be able to look at this and understand the scriptures father we know the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to them father we know that by our own understanding it may not make sense and so father we ask for a supernatural understanding Open up our eyes that we may be able to see what we need to see. Lord, wherever anyone's journey may be with you, with faith, with the existence of God, with salvation, Lord, I pray, Father, that you just draw them closer. Help them to see what they need to see, hear what they need to hear. And Father, I pray again that you would just use us sinful creatures to be able to glorify you. Lord, help us, Lord, to step out by faith when you call us to. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the biggest things that people are fearful in life is fear of the unknown. And one of the biggest things that's the unknown is the future. And I cannot get up here and predict to you anything that's going to happen in your life or what's going to happen in the next few days. The Bible does give certain prophecies and certain things of that nature. But outside of that, I have no idea what's going to befall us 
the rest of the way. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen in your life. And of course, in the worldwide pandemic and, and the different things that may happen and the different things that seem to turn our world upside down, um, that can cause a lot of anxiety. That can cause a lot of fear because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. Is this going to be it? Is this going to be the end? Some people might say, um, how bad is it going to be? And we, look, and, and we look at all those things and they can cause a, a real heavy uneasiness. In a lot of the stories that we're going to look at today from um, Hebrews chapter 11, it has a quality of looking to the future and trusting God in it. Now, I'm not saying that um, nothing bad is going to happen in our lives because there are bad things that are going to happen all the time. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Uh, we know that good people, so, quote unquote, now the Bible says that none of us are good, no, not one, but we might even say good servants of god bad things still happen to um uh, health crises still happen to sudden death still happen uh, uh economic crises still happen to people who um are are followers of god and people who are not followers of god so i can't tell your life's going to be perfect but here's what i can tell you as we look at this i have no idea what's going to happen you have no idea what's going to happen we have no idea how it's going to happen in our general lives in our specific lives but we do know the one who does know and so what I want to put upon you today is the trust of God for the future of your specific life when you don't know. I don't have to be uneasy about what I don't know for two reasons. Number one, I can't know it. So what am I going to worry about if I can't change it anyway? And number two, I know the one who does know. And I'm going to trust him that whether good or bad, whether wonderful or whether heartbreaking, I'm just going to trust that he knows and that if it is something bad, he'll hold me through it because I can't change any of it anyway. And so what I want to uh, put up on your heart today is trusting God and the unknown in the future, in his plan, in his big picture plan that we might all just be uh, little elements of. Now look at chapter 11 and verse number 8. The Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and went out not knowing whither he went. Now here's the thing about Abraham that maybe you knew and maybe you didn't know. Now we think about Abraham and he's this great hero of the faith. He's this great father of the faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We hear that all the time whether you were Jewish or whether you were Christian. Even if you were a Muslim, Abraham is a key figure in their religious history. But as we have Abraham here, the Bible says that he was called by God and he obeyed. Now here's what you may not have known about Abraham. When God called him, he was 75 years old. He lived 75 years in a pagan country, which would be close to where Iraq is now, and he worshipped a, a, a polytheistic uh, set of gods, he, he, multiple gods, and he was not knowing the God of heaven. And so he was just going along that way, and one day God came to him and called him and said, hey, listen, follow me, and I'm going to show you a land that I'll give to you. Now, Abraham had no precedence in following this God. He didn't grow up in a Christian family. He didn't grow up in a Jewish family. And as a matter of fact, Judaism wasn't even named that such at the time, but the God of heaven was still there. And so he didn't know Jehovah God, Yahweh. And so God came to him because all the other gods that he worshipped were fake. They were man-made. They were man-generated. They were false. But now when the real God came and called him, he obeyed. 
Now, here's a key element of faith. Look at what it said. He, he followed, he go to a place that he should, after receiving an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. Man, that sounds scary. Where, where God comes, he says, follow me. Where are we going? Not telling you. A lot of times when God gets a hold of our heart, here's the, here's the parameters we put. Okay, I'll go if you tell me what we're doing and where we're going and, and, and what I have to do there. If you give me the permission slip and you give me the agenda and the itinerary, maybe I'll follow. Abraham saw this in a vision, and I'm not, I'm not advocating that we have visions nowadays like this. But in those days, and here's what, a part of the reason why, they didn't have the Spirit of God permanently indwelling believers like, they, like we do now. And the Word of God was not complete, and we know the Word of God is a more sure word of prophecy than even the audible voice of God. So I don't want you waiting for a vision to hear from God. You hear from God through the Spirit of God and the Word of God, okay? And, 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 and in your heart, God's calling you and pulling you. And so Abraham was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees. God said, I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to make this an inheritance for you. And Abraham got up at 75 years old. And just went and said, okay, I'll follow you. Man, that is an upheaval of faith. That is an upheaval of life, I mean, through faith. That is give, putting everything that you know and everything that you're, you've worked for and everything that you have aside that you might follow God. I've, I've seen in my life and I've heard many of the stories and seen people and met them who maybe when they were an established adult, having a career, that God called them into something else. Maybe it was missions. Maybe it was full-time ministry. Maybe it was to uh, lay aside the, um, the job they have to do something else. And God called them. And I'll tell you this right now, that is a very uneasy crossroad in our lives. Because at that crossroad, we're thinking, Here's what I know, here's what I'm comforted by, here's what I'm used to, and God's calling me to something I don't know. And I don't know makes me uneasy because the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future. And so there sat Abraham, and he heard it. And he had to give up all the religion of his family. You know, as we're going out and giving out the gospel, we're telling people how Jesus saves, and we're telling people that we're, you know, the truth of the Bible, that we're all sinners, and because we've sinned, we cannot be led into heaven, and that Jesus died in our place, that we might have forgiveness of sins. You know one of the biggest obstacles that people have? But my family's religion is blank. And I can't get saved because... My family would get upset, or my grandmother, who died last year, would get upset. Abraham had that same obstacle. For 75 years, he lived one way, and God said, come this way. And Abraham said, I see this to be the truth. Okay, I will follow you. Faith is sometimes realizing we were wrong. We see the truth, and now we were not right. Or we were mistaken or we were misled, or we were deceived, or, or, or we just took things for granted that we never explored ourselves. And, and so, whatever it is, sometimes it's realizing, man, I had it all wrong. And Abraham realized that, and he followed God. 
Faith is sometimes stepping out into the unknown, not because we just like to get to scary situations, but we only do that when we know God's called us to do that. Let me give you an element of advice, spiritual counsel, as I often uh, will use this same line. You don't go out and, and move to do anything new unless you're sure that it's God that moved you there. What I'm saying by that is you just stay, if, you're where, if you are where God has put you, then you stay there until you're sure God is moving you. It means we don't just jump out and just like, oh, how about this, how about this, how about this, how about this? Don't go anywhere unless you're sure. Now, sometimes in my life, I feel like the devil's saying, hey, come this way. And I'm like, is that God or is that the devil? And I say, well, I'm not going anywhere unless I'm sure it's God. And when it's God, then we go, even if it's unknown. I mean, many of you last year uh, know that um, all of a sudden we had to move out of our house. We lived in our house for 14 years. Now, well, I, I, knew that was, I, I knew that whether that was God or not, it had to be done. But I knew this, God, you will have something for us. I will trust you in that. And so we went out looking for house every week, and we went to open houses, open houses, looking at houses we could not afford, looking at houses that maybe we can afford, looking at houses that we probably have no business looking at, looking at houses that... Maybe we'll live in a shed, you know, things like that. And we just said, God knows. And we were not anxious because I said, God allowed the situation to happen. Whatever happens, it's in his control. And it's our job just to trust that even if we don't know. Never was the house we live in on the radar until God brought it on the radar. And God said, a circumstances that we knew God was moving us there, and there we are. That was, that was only 14 years, but that was uncomfortable at times because we did not know. Abraham had the same thing. Called out to a place he did not know, looking back at his past and saying, I was off. Okay, God, I'll follow you. And he went. Look at verse 9. By faith he sojourned into the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Sojourn means he traveled, he journeyed into the land of promise. God brought him there and said, one day, all of this is going to be your descendants. And he went, okay. And it was a long, you know, it was a long journey. Think of where Iraq is compared to where Israel is. Um, that's not like, well, get in a car, I want to show you something, let's go down the block. That's like, you have to travel with me a long while. And they did that, and he showed them that. And by faith, all along the way, Abraham just said, okay, I'm going where you say to go. I'm just following you along the way. My future is in your hands. A lot of times we have our own plans for our future, and we want to hold on to them, and we want to make sure that we sign off on them. We want to make sure we agree to them. But then sometimes God throws those plans upside down and says, just trust me. Just trust me. Where are we going? Just trust me. How long is it going to take to get there? Just trust trust me and abraham for a long while walked just trusting god and we got to a land and said one day this you know what tabernacles are tents they're basically mobile homes back in the day and so abraham lived in those type of things for a while like where are we going we're going to plan here where are we going plan here where are we going we're going here and it was a mobile endeavor but he just trusted god it also gives this little uh, um, little snippet we'll get back to it later but about Isaac and Jacob 
heirs with him of the same promise. This land will one be, be yours. This land will one be, they be your descendants, and his children have the same promise given them. And so Abraham would have said to his son Isaac, and we'll get to Isaac in a minute, Isaac, one day that land's going to be yours. When? Oh, I don't know, when God says. And then Isaac said the same thing. One day it's coming. It'll be yours. And we know that it's leading up to the Messiah coming and the, and, and the promise of the Messiah coming and God's people. But all along the way to get to that place, to get to the end goal, which was going to be thousands of years later, they had to trust God along the way, trusting in His promises. God said, I promise you this is going to happen. And even if you can't see it, even if you can't measure it, even if you won't realize it in your lifetime, you just trust me that it's coming. For example, we have the promise that, God is re- that Jesus Christ is returning. Maybe it's in our lifetime, maybe it's not, but we trust in that promise, even if we can't see it. For those that have been born again, for those that have been saved and having their sins forgiven by Jesus Christ, we trust with faith that when we die, we pass from death unto life, because the Bible says it. We won't know it in, in reality. We won't know it in, in, in full realization until we get there. But we know it will happen through faith. And so the promise was yet to come, and yet they just trusted, 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 trusted. Look at verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So Abraham, and he's 75 years old. That's not an easy journey. You know, I, I joke around my dad all the time about my dad all the time. He was um, he he had COPD when he was um, probably late late fifties. He died when he was sixty from COPD, um, which is obviously um, a lung a lung issue. And um, he was probably about fifty nine years old, and things were getting. This was a few years ago, and things were getting tense politically, and and he's like, "Civil war is coming." I'm like, "Maybe it is, maybe it isn't." And and he would walk like from here to here and be like. Walk here to here and be like, and I remember him saying, he's like, when the Civil War comes, I'm going to the front lines. And I sat there and I said, Dad, you can't walk from here to here without not breathing, without passing out. You ain't on no one's front lines. You want a house and quarter soldiers and house and quarter soldiers. You're not moving anyways. I'm going to the front lines. You ain't making it anywhere. At 75 years old, you might feel the same way. I, I don't, if I said right now, God wants you to walk to Chicago. You'd be like, no, he doesn't. And Chicago might be generous, and maybe it's further than that. At 75 years old, you're like, I ain't walking to my, my, you know, my bedroom. But that's what Abraham did. He just trusted God. Think how much faith it takes to just keep trusting God day by day. When are we getting there? Just keep trusting. When? Just keep trusting. We feel like kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Just keep trusting. And they were looking for a city that would one day come whose builder and maker was God. Waiting for God to build something. Future. Waiting for God to build something eternal. Future. And all along the way. And people probably said, Abraham, where are you going? Following God? What about all these other gods? I don't know. I'm following this God because I know this one to be true. You're leaving your country and all you know and your family and friends and your job? Yep. Why? Because God called me to. Even amongst Christians, you know, that is sometimes considered crazy talk. You got up and said, God's calling me to the mission field right now. It ought to be that we would all applaud and be excited for that. 
But you know that there'll still be a lot of people being weirdo. But if you knew God was calling you to do something, you go. Some of you may get a call to the ministry, and this is how, literally how I was. When I felt called to the ministry, I literally did this. Who is he talking to? Because it can't possibly be me. Moses had the same way. We'll talk about Moses next week. But Moses had the same way. You got the wrong guy. Sometimes God calls you to something, not because you're talented enough to do it, not because you're capable of doing it, but because he'll, he'll, he'll do it. Abraham had to look for the future. Look at verse 11. God said, I'm going to make faith and promises even a thicker thing. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So he's 75. Now remember this. I didn't mention this before. God said, I'm going to make of you a mighty nation. God says this in Genesis. Look up. See the stars? That's how your descendants, how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham sat there and said, um, I'm 75 and Sarah's 65 and we have no kids. And God said, let's go. And they walked and they trusted. And they walked longer and longer and longer. Still no children, still no children. God says, you're going to see it. You're going to have this mighty nation that's going to come after you. Okay. You know, God often calls us to see things that make no sense. Because he doesn't want his work to be mistaken by coincidence or mistaken by earthly circumstances. If, if a woman has a child at 65, we might say, wow. But God didn't let Sarah have a child at 65. God didn't let Sarah have a child at 75. God didn't let Sarah have a child at 85. I mean, they get to a point where one day they're going to try to figure out things on their own, and they really mess things up. So one day, Abraham and Sarah are talking, and God said he's going to make of me a mighty nation, but you ain't having no kids. And, and so they come up with a great plan. Have a child with someone else. That must be what God wants. Take my handmaid, Sarah says, and, and they, they talk it up, and that's what must be. And I can imagine God in heaven being like, are, are you out of your mind? And he has a child with Hagar, the handmaid, who winds up being Ishmael, who becomes the father of the Arabic nations. And God says, nope. I didn't need your help, Abraham. I didn't need your help, Sarah. I just needed you to trust me. Come a little closer. Come a little longer. God eventually uh, gives Sarah the prophecy and, and all that, and she laughs at it. Oh, yeah? So at 90 years old, finally, Sarah becomes with child and gives birth. And God says, you're going to name him Isaac, which means she laughs. Because you want to laugh? I'll laugh. That's the child. So... We do know that though they failed the test of faith, and we will, trust me, nobody here is going to be perfect in following the voice of God and following the leading of God. We're going to mess up all over the place. We're going to take detours. We're going to run into trees. We're going to go opposite ways. We're going to fight against them. I mean, that's just the nature of who we are. 
But God tells us in the Bible that Sarah did believe him, did trust him. Said, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you in this. And yeah, maybe I didn't trust you all the time, but I'm trusting you in this. So the Bible says that Sarah received the strength from God to have a child who would be the furthering of the lineage well past age. She was 90 years old. And this is what she concluded. Even after she failed the test, and Abraham failed the test, if he said it, I believe it. That's it. You know, when God will deliver unto me a truth, and I'm not talking an extra biblical truth, I'm saying something specific about the will of God in my life, I'll often look at it and be like, Mm-mm, nope, doesn't make any sense. Nope, it's not going to work. doesn't make any sense. And I have to keep reminding myself, Shh, trust it. Trust the one who is leading you. Okay? Trust the one who's leading you. Okay? Trust the one who's leading you. And then my flesh kicks in and says, but what if it doesn't work out? Then he'll take care of it. Then he'll take care of it. Okay? All right, are you sure? Shh. Trust me. But what about this? And it doesn't make sense. Just trust me. So I understand very much how Abraham and Sarah fell. And you probably understand very much how Abraham and Sarah felt. But what I want you to see again is that if he made the promise, if he's working in your heart, if he's calling you to something, and it seems like it doesn't make sense, and you're doubting it, and, and you're not sure, not because you're not sure of God's doing it, you're, you're not sure uh, because it doesn't make sense, just count him faithful to do that which he's promised. That is faith. Man, remind yourself of this phrase throughout this series. If it were easy, it wouldn't be of faith. If it were easy, it wouldn't be of faith. Faith is really hard at times. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith, and we're given this, the, um, that we ought to walk by faith and not by sight. But not faith in just the unknown. Not faith in the universe. Not faith in and just good things happening. Faith in God and faith in Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. Faith in Him. And so I sit up here all the time saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with my family. I'm not, I have no idea, but I'm just going to trust you, God, for the day. I'm going to trust in you, God. I'm just going to trust in you, God, because I have nothing else to hold on to anyways. So I'm just trusting in you, God. So Sarah trusted it. Verse 12, therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is the sea, short innumerable. Bible says God came through with the promise. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a mighty nation, and this, this land of inheritance, and this lineage that would lead to the Messiah. And he did it. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. If I, and it's obviously... Um, a metaphor here that it's innumerable, but as the sand of the sea, as the stars of the sky, everybody who has any Jewish blood in them whatsoever is descended because God came through with a promise to Abraham and Sarah well past age. So we look back on this and say, well, God promised it. Did He do it? Yep. What should that do to us? Instill in us evidence and tangible things to say, he fulfills His promise and He is able. He is capable. He is able. You know, as little kids, we sing the song, He is able. He is able. I know my God is able. 
We trust that God is able because we've seen what he's done in other people's lives. Just like you might be able to learn from other people's lives as a cautionary tale, you can learn from other people's lives and seeing God work in it and say, if God worked in it there, I know he's capable of doing it. And if God gave them a promise and they followed it and God worked it out, he'll work it out in my life. You also look back in your own life and say, did God work it out before? Yep. Trust him. Trust him. So there sprang there even of one, of him as good as dead. Abraham and Sarah got to a place, we ain't having any kids. And God said, watch this. And he gave them it. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. As they began to follow God, they just trusted that one day it's coming. One day it's coming. One day it's coming. And God didn't have to give it to them in that day. Um, Abraham didn't get to see the multitudes. He got to see Isaac. Miracle. And then he had two grandsons, Jacob and Esau. And then God would choose Jacob. And then Jacob would have 12 children plus. And through, uh, well, 12 children there. And they would become the tribes of Israel. And then they would have some children. But in that time, they were just a nomadic big family and eventually they became enslaved in Egypt. And all along the way, Abraham had this testimony. God's going to make of this a mighty nation. I know we're just a small family unit now. But God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And he told them, hey listen, Isaac, you're going to be the father of a mighty nation because God said so, you're a miracle child. And Jacob, God's chosen you out of Esau and Jacob, uh, and you and your brother, he's chosen you, and you're going to be the child of promise there through, and, and your children are going to be used by God. And there may even come a time later on, and we'll get to this in a minute, where they're enslaved in Egypt and they're thinking, or they're in Egypt in famine, and they're thinking, man, it must not be coming true. The Bible says, nope, they trusted that it all would, even if they couldn't see it in their lifetime. They just trusted God. That's what faith is. Faith is following God even when you don't get to see the final destination. It's telling your children, keep going, even if they can't see the final destination. You're all part of the plan of God. And telling our children, tell their children, follow God and His plan. Even if I can't see all that's going to happen, I just know, trust Him. That's what Abraham did. It was multi-generational. He told his children and his children's children and told them to tell their children, just keep following God. The plan will unfold. Even if I don't get to see it unfold, it will unfold. Because he promised that it would. And they just followed. They just followed. As they were following, they had this message for their family. We're waiting for something God's building. That means that this, this land is not, I mean, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're strangers and pilgrims. We're waiting for God to fulfill His promise. So right now, we may not fit in with everybody else. We may not fit in with their agendas and their thinking. That's okay because we're waiting for God to do what God's doing. What I want you to do more than anything else as a child of God, is hear the voice of God over every other voice out there. Hear what God's doing in your life. Hear God's leading. Hear the truth of the Scriptures. Forget all the media. Forget all the social media. Forget all the opinions. Forget all the YouTube stars out there that'll tell you this, that, and the other. The influencers. Just hear what God is speaking to your life about. Just hear God in salvation. Just hear God on His journey. 
And so they just confessed they were strangers and pilgrims. Verse 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They were nomadic. And he said, one day we won't be. One day we'll have a homeland. One day we'll have a homeland. They waited until Israel was established. Verse 15, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. If they, if they dropped that promise, they may have went back to their homeland. But they didn't. They kept on going. Now we'll get to this later on in the weeks to come. But you know what? Ruth made a great proclamation like that as well. Uh, Ruth, real quickly, was in her homeland of the Moabites. And Naomi, her mother-in-law there, and uh, her husband died. And Naomi said, I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. And Ruth up and said, I'm going with you. Where you go, I will go. Where you dwell, I will dwell. Your God shall be my God. Your people, my people. And she went. Orpah, her sister-in-law, said, that's nice, but I think I'll go back to my country. Well, Ruth, spoiler alert, though she's a foreigner, she's not of Jewish blood, God uses to be in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Because why? She trusted God and went. Rather than go back. At any time, Abraham and his children could have said, we have no homeland, we're nomadic, we're kind of surviving on the land and traveling. We can go back to our country and just live there comfortably. But they didn't. What they said is, we're going to trust God and keep on keeping on. We're going to keep trusting God, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And they did. Look at verse 16. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city, a heavenly one, a future one. And, and look at that, man. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that God would have this feeling about me. God is not ashamed to be called their God. If I'm going to be honest, sometimes I wonder if God's ashamed to be called my God because of the, some of the things I do or have thought or have said and behaved and regrets and all that. Man, I, I God, I hope that you're not ashamed. But God says, I was happy to be called their God. And you know what? I believe this, that God is happy to be called my God, not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. But God says, I was happy to be called their God because they kept trusting me. They kept following me. They kept following me. Now we get to something that is just plain awesome. Look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. One day, there's Abraham and Isaac. And I can imagine, now Isaac's, I mean, Abraham's got to be well into his hundreds. He's a hundred and probably ten or twenty, something like that. Maybe even a little bit older. And yes, they did live slightly older back then. So there's Abraham walking around with his son of promise, saying, man, I love this son. He's my only, he's my only son of promise. My only begotten this way. Yes, there is that whole situation with Ishmael and, and Hagar, and they're, they're out there somewhere. But, and, and he had other sons, but Isaac was the son of promise. God said, through him I'm going to build this mighty nation. And I can, I can imagine the joy in their face and the fellowship they had together and the, the bond they had together saying God's going to do something in our lives. 
And then one day God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I got something for you. I want you to go up Mount Moriah, and I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to offer him a sacrifice. Well, what do you mean sacrifice? Well, I mean I want you to sacrifice him to me. You mean as in kill him? Yep. So there's two things, I mean, there's probably multiple things going on, but I want to highlight two things. Number one, there's the dadness in him saying, that's my only son, I ain't, I'm, not, I'm not harming a hair on that kid's head. But God said to, hold it before you pass judgment, hold it. The second thing is the logical side where he says, one minus one is zero. One minus one is zero. One minus one is zero. Meaning, I have one child who's the son of promise. If I kill him, I have zero children. He does not have any children right now. No more promise. I don't want to do this because he's my son. And we have a logical problem because one minus one is zero. And who's going to be the promise? What do I do? He says, I'll just trust God. Now I'm going to tell you why. See, a lot of people speculate, what was he thinking? How did he know? I know what he was thinking. How do I know what he's thinking? Because the next verse tells us what he's thinking. Look what it says here in verse number 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He said, well, I know what God's going to do. God's going to bring him back to life. How do I know God's going to bring him back alive? Because God promised he's going to make a, a mighty nation. And if God said it, he doesn't lie. And so therefore, if I kill this guy, he's coming back from the dead. I'm fine with it. Because God can't break his promises. And God said that he's going to make a mighty nation, so he has to do it. All right, we're good. So they're climbing up the mountain. And there's that, there's that real famous statement. Isaac says to Abraham, Dad, what are we going to mount for? Sacrifice. Now, what's the sacrifice? Abraham says, don't worry, God will provide a sacrifice. Do you know that it's thought that Abraham, I mean, that Isaac was like a young man at the time. He wasn't this little child, he was a young man. And there had to come a point where Abraham says to Isaac, son, do you trust me? And do you trust God? And Isaac says, I do. And he says, I'm going to tie you up, son. Because you're the sacrifice. But God's going to bring you back. And Isaac doesn't fight dad, who's over 100, and like push him down and run down the mountain. He says, okay. And, Isaac, and Abraham says, okay. See, Abraham was not thinking God's going to stop this. That's not what Abraham was thinking. Abraham was thinking, I'm going to have to do this, but God's going to bring him back. So there goes Abraham, got Isaac down, and he's going to go do it. And as he goes and does it, the angel stops the hand. The hand wasn't going like this. The hand was going. And God says, basically, well done. But look, into the thicket. And in the thicket, there's a ram whose horns are stuck there. And he says, God has provided a sacrifice 
Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. You know, in that it says it was a figure. It's a figure of salvation. Isaac was told to die. But then God provided something else to die in his place. You and I are sinners who cannot be allowed into heaven because of our sin. So we are set to die. It is just that we die. If God does not judge sin, if He does not punish sin, then He is not a just judge. He's corrupt. If we were to go to a court of law with police officers and, and, and judges and juries and we had the clear evidence in the confession that you were a murderer and the judge said, but I like this guy, I'm going to let him go. That would be a corrupt judge. He'd have to punish it. And so God has to punish sin. But here was the plan that God had. I'll punish my son that you might go free. He'll take your punishment on the cross and you can go free just as the ram will die in Isaac's place. Jesus will die in your place. God will provide Later on, John the Baptist will look to Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Friend, you know that you and I are the Isaacs who are to be put to death because of our sin, but God has provided a sacrifice in Jesus Christ. By faith, you can call on Jesus to save you, to be your Savior. By faith, you can have your sins forgiven. By faith, you can have that added to your account. So there's Abraham saying, All right. Now, Abraham failed multiple tests of God earlier on. He lied about who Sarah was, got him in a whole bunch of trouble. He failed the test with Hagar and, and, and Ishmael, got himself in a whole bunch of trouble. And now the ultimate test, Abraham says, I believe you, God. I believe you. You said it. I believe you. I trust you with my future. I trust you in your promises. I trust you in the unknown. I don't know what you're going to do. I have my opinions of what you're going to do, but ultimately you're going to do what you're going to do because you're God and I'm not. Did you know that? He's God and we're not. And if God always had a check with us before he did, we would be God. If God always had to answer our prayers the way we demanded them, we would be God. He'd be the genie in the bottle. He's God. And we're sinful, corrupt men and women, and children. And God says, will you follow me? Do you trust me? I might say like this, Christian. You trust God with your eternity. Why not trust him with your everyday life? So Abraham thinks he's going to bring him back from the dead. And God says, nope, I got something better. Look at verse 20. We're going to go quick. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning uh, upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So we got a couple little snippets here. Isaac will have two boys, Jacob and Esau. And the Bible says that God chose the younger Jacob over Esau. And we know that Jacob messed all that up and try to do it himself, and God still used it to get his plan done. I'm grateful that God is so sovereign that even when I mess up his plan, God still gets his plan done. He said, I chose Jacob. Even if Jacob is a conniving, manipulative, deceiver, 
supplanter. Later on, God will say, I'm changing your name to Israel, which means God fights for you. Stop doing it yourself, Jacob. Knocks his hip out of place where he had to walk with that thorn in his flesh because he didn't trust God. Now he trusts God. But it even mentions Esau in favorable light in some regard. I'm not saying Esau was not a profane man because the Bible says he was a profane man. But Isaac blessed him because that was his duty. It says Jacob later on blessed Joseph's two kids. And we don't have the, the time to envelop all those. So we're just going with what the narrative in Hebrews 11 is. But God said, I'm take Joseph's two. See, Joseph's got two tribes. He does, there's no tribe of Joseph. But there is Manasseh and Ephraim, the two sons of Joseph. God blessed them because Joseph's faith. Now here's what's interesting. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So let me tell you what happened. Joseph and his wonderful brothers, who are the tribes of Israel, from Reuben all the way down to Benjamin, but his older brother Joseph's um, second to last in the line of, of all the children of Jacob, who are the children of Israel, they decide they don't like that dad likes Joseph better than everybody else. And we understand Jacob's got some flaws there. And so they're going to beat Joseph up. And they're going to kill him. And so they beat him up, and they're going to throw him in the pit, leave him to dead. And then one of his brothers said, wait, 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 wait. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. Good brother. And um, so they sell him into slavery. The Midianites take him. And one day, as the Midianites are traveling, selling people into slavery, human trafficking, there is an official, a, a governor of sorts in Egypt, who says, I'll buy that one. Potiphar is his name, and he buys Joseph. Well, Joseph knows right and wrong, and he knows following God, and he, and he has a relationship with God, even though he's a slave. And he may have been thinking, man, what in the world? Why I follow God and I get put here? No, it gets worse. Well, one day, Potiphar's wife tries to get him to commit sin with her. And he won't have of it. So she falsely accuses him, and he ends up in jail. He's 17 years old. From the time he's 17 to the time he's 30, he'll be in prison. 13 years in an ancient Egyptian prison. A foreign slave having been accused and convicted, even though he was innocent, of assaulting an official Egyptian's wife. That can't be a nice prison. And it may be that Joseph said, why has God done this? But what we know, it seems that God, uh, that Joseph just says, I'm just going to trust God. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm trusting him. I remember what great-grandfather said, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and their stories about following God, and God's going to do something, God's going to do something, God's going to do something, so I'm just going to trust God, trust God, trust God. And then eventually there, there becomes a, um, a dream that the Pharaoh has, and Joseph is able to interpret it because God gave him the wisdom to do so. And Pharaoh is so excited about that that he says, Joseph, I'm promoting you to be second in charge of the whole nation. And you've got to be thinking, what in the world is that about? A slave who's been convicted of assault against an Egyptian leader, now second in charge? Well, God did that. God did that in the heart. And so Joseph now tells them there's a famine coming, you better store up all the grain and, and all the stuff that you need because in a couple of years there's going to be a famine, and so Egypt does. And a famine hits the land. And guess who needs food? 
Well, sure enough, Jacob and his kids. So they come there and they don't recognize Joseph and they come there to get um, some food and Joseph recognizes them and says, Oh, my favorite brothers in all the world to try to kill me then thought it better to sell me to slavery. My broken father's heart. I don't know what's in on this. And Benjamin, this little guy's grown up a lot. And so they sat there and Joseph puts them through some tests to see if they were broken by and sorrowful over it. And, and then there's this great story of, of, of restoration and forgiveness. And they begin to live in Egypt. And, and Joseph says this, one day you'll be let out of Egypt. Take my bones with you. What no one there knows at the time is, soon enough there's going to be a Pharaoh who doesn't... Who, Joseph's going to die, and his brothers and them are going to live there and die, and they're just going to have more children, more children, more children. And um, Joseph basically saved Egypt from destruction, and he's, the Bible says there's going to be a Pharaoh who will not remember Joseph, nor like him, nor care about him, and will enslave all of, all of Israel. And that happens. And then God will call Moses, who we'll look at next week, to deliver them out of it. But what Joseph says is... God is going to deliver you. It's a, it's a promise from God of something he doesn't even know about. He says, just take my bones with you when you leave. He, said, he didn't even know how bad it was going to get, but he said there'll be a day that God delivers them out. He was able to know, even in the times that are going to come, that God still will deliver. What I want you to see today, <clears throat> through these stories, through these reminders in Hebrews 11, number one... <clears throat> is the truth about the gospel, that we again are sinners who deserve hell, but Jesus died in our place to forgive us. He loves us. And He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be forgiven. So by faith, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to consider that calling on Jesus to save you. Calling on Him to say, realize, I mean, listen, no one's got to convince you that you've done wrong. You know you have. I know I have. And the Bible says that none of us deserve heaven. We've all come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. We, we deserve that. But He died in our place. By faith, I want you to trust. And even if you can't get a, you, you're not given a, a picture of heaven in the sense of a physical photograph. And even though um, you don't get to visit heaven, you can be assured that Jesus Christ is sufficient. His sacrifice is sufficient. And that His home through faith is heaven. And that we can have that. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. If you've never been saved, I'm, I'm begging you to consider faith in that. Faith in Christ alone. And I understand you might say, I don't even know what that's all about. We can help you explain what that's all about. It's not about works. It's not about joining a church. It's not about becoming a religion. It's not about giving money. It's about your personal faith in Jesus Christ alone as Savior. That's it. It's just belief and assurance in Him. So as God speaks to your heart and draws you and calls you to Him, respond. The second thing I want you to consider, which has many different avenues under the umbrella, Christian, is this. Trust Him when He calls you. Trust Him with your future. Trust Him in the unknown. Forget the fear of it. Forget the unsureness of it. You... See, did I do anything? My watch just talks for me sometimes. It says, here's what I found. I don't know what it found, but it found something. I don't even want to know what it found. I want you to trust...
that God's got this. And I'm not saying run out there before getting God's blessing or understanding on it. But when God says, hey, follow me, trust me, step out on faith, I want you to be reminded that he knows. We know who holds our tomorrow. And we don't need to know. We just follow. We just follow. We say, God, if you're leading and you're giving these promises, you promise you'll never leave me nor forsake me, then I'll follow you. Can I tell you, you know how I got right where I'm at right now? Just following. I have unlimited detours I've taken, unlimited times where I've tried to seemingly provoke God to kick me out of here in my life, like kick me out of wherever I am. But I would have never gotten anywhere without following. And God's leading. And God's doing. You want to be in the center of God's will? I don't know what it will be. I have no idea what God will do. Just follow even in the unknown. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. Do you trust Him with your future? Let's bow your heads, let's close your eyes. I want to ask a few questions and we'll be done. You know, if you've been here before, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. None of that's going to happen. I just want to ask questions and be able to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Jason, if I were to die today, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Would you please pray for me? If you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, can I pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, I promise. Would you raise your hand quietly if you're not sure you're going to heaven? Can I pray for you today? I see your hand. God bless you. Amen. You put it down. Anybody else? I see your hand too. God bless you. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. How many people here would say this, Pastor Jason? Sometimes I do fear trusting God. I do fear my future. I do fear the unknown. And God's reminded me of some truths today. And I'm testifying of God speaking to my heart on that behalf today. Would you pray for me about that? Would you quietly raise your hand? I see your hands. Many, many hands. I want you to pray for me. You think that just because I'm a pastor, oh, I just walk out in faith all the time. No, there's a lot of times I'm looking which way, west, east, north, scared, have no idea where I'm going, what I'm doing. Pray for me too that I won't get in the way. I just trust God. He is worthy to trust. Man, Abraham, 75 years old, just upends his life because God said, come. A God he didn't even know. Man. You know how I feel. You're not here by mistake. God brought you here today. And that's a wonderful truth. Let's stand to our feet. Head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano is going to play. If you'd like to come pray about something up here, you can, you're more than invited to come. Use the pews up here to pray. You want to talk to somebody about something, about heaven, about something in your life, come meet me. We'll put you a man with a man, a lady with a lady. But you want to come pray about something, step out and just come pray. You pray on your own. Everyone else have their head by eyes closed. You step out, you can come. Come pray to trust God. Trust Him in the unknown.
Isn't it wonderful we get to hear from God? We're undeserving. And we wait on Him. Even the truth that He loves us. Why would He love us? But He does. He does. The altars are full. If you'd like to come, why don't you come? Trust me, when we get to Moses and we start saying, man, God wants me to do what? He wants to use me to do what? Got the wrong guy. (laughs) I don't know if he's got the wrong guy, but he's the right God. The only one. We're still playing. We'll still play through verse. There's still people praying. Thank you for being the great God in heaven. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.